0: this year marks the 10th anniversary of NDE Radio, and as I said on a recent show, we have conducted roughly 500 recorded interviews with NDEers from around the world, plus several firsthand written reports I've read from the files of IONS. I compare these heartfelt stories to a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle, with each piece uniquely shaped by the light to fit the experiencer's life and needs. And since we first started the show in 2013, many other YouTubers have launched shows along the same format, and YouTube channels these days are bulging with reports of NDEs and STEs of every variety, while Amazon is bulging with books on NDEs as well. It's not surprising, of course, with something like a thousand NDEs occurring every day in the United States and countless more worldwide. To say that God is still speaking to us is a gross understatement. We are cherished by source to such an extent that NDEers worldwide are being awakened by other side travels to personally view their own potential for love. And as each soul responds to the truth of these experiences, the light of God's love can be spread geometrically throughout the world, if only we will let it. are. Intensely personal, of course, but along with the personal wisdom each NDE conveys to the experiencer, there is, I believe, enough universal wisdom to begin to sort what is personal from what universally applies to all of us. Those who peruse our YouTube channel have no doubt seen comments from those who want to hear only of the out-of-body core of each NDE and not listen to personal details about the experiencer's life. Such comments will say something like, The NDE begins at 10.5 minutes into the show. The thing is, the person's life story is integral to their experience. It helps us understand why what happened to them happened, how it directly related to their life thus far. Their life reflects directly on the message learned from the experience itself, which is why I've included those essential personal details in each interview. But you editors out there, take heart. What I'm proposing to do with the collective wisdom we have compiled is to mine for the truth in each NDE that applies to all of us. To accomplish this, I'm planning to go back with you through our NDE puzzle pieces to seek out the essential truths to see if a universal theology of NDEs does or does not exist. The other day, I went back to our first show from September 9th, 2013, and was interested to see, I included a brief account of Plato's story about Ur, a soldier's NDE, which he includes in a major philosophical work, The Republic. He lived and wrote in the 4th century BCE, during a time when much of the Bible's Old Testament was being written as well. In that first show, I dubbed Plato's story an entry into NDE's Theology's Old Testament. So for that reason, it seems appropriate to begin our search for a theology of NDEs with Plato's complete story of Ur to see what we can learn. About Ur's NDE, Plato wrote, This is the tale of a hero, Ur the son of Armenius, by race a Pamphylian. He was slain in battle, And ten days afterwards, when the bodies of the dead were taken up, already decayed, his body was found intact. He was taken home to be buried, and on the twelfth day, as he was lying on the funeral pyre, he revived, sat up, and told them what he had seen in the world beyond. He said that when his soul left his body, he went on a journey with many others, and they came to a mysterious region where there were two openings side by side in the earth, and over against them were two other openings going up to the heaven above. Judges were seated between these openings. Those judged righteous had their sentences tied in front of them and ascended by the heavenly way on the right hand. The unjust descended by the lower way on the left and bore the signs of all their deeds fastened on their backs. When Ur drew near, they told him that he must be the messenger to mankind to tell us of the other world, and they told him to hear and see everything in that place. Then he saw the judged souls departing at either opening to where they were sentenced. Meanwhile, at the two other openings, other souls emerged, some ascending out of the earth, dusty and worn with travel, some descending out of the earth, out of heaven rather, clean and bright. They seemed to have come from a long journey, and they went with gladness into a nearby meadow where they encamped as a festival, and acquaintances greeted one another, the souls which came from earth asked about the things above, while the souls which came from heaven asked about the things below. And they told their stories to one another, those from below weeping and sorrowing at the remembrance of the things which they had endured and seen in their journey beneath the earth. The journey lasted a thousand years, while those from above described delights and visions of a beauty beyond words. The stories would take too long to tell, but the sum was this for every wrong which they had done to anyone, they suffered tenfold in periods of a hundred years. If, for example, if anyone had been the cause of many deaths, or had betrayed or enslaved cities or armies, or had been guilty of any other evil behavior, For each and all of their offenses, they received punishment ten times over. Again, if any had done deeds of kindness and had been just and holy, they might receive their rewards in the same measure. There was nothing recorded concerning what he said about young children who die soon after birth or of those impious to gods and parents or of suicides. But there were retributions, other and greater far, which he described. This, said he, was one of the dreadful sights which we ourselves witnessed. We were at the mouth of the cavern and, having completed all our experiences, were about to reascend when, of a sudden, several tyrants appeared and also private individuals who had been great criminals. They fancied they were about to return to the upper world, but the mouth, instead of admitting them, gave a roar whenever any of these incurable sinners or someone who had not been sufficiently punished tried to ascend. And then wild men of fiery aspect who were standing by and heard the sound seized and carried them off and threw some of them down and flayed them with scourges and dragged them by the wayside, carting them on thorns like wool and declaring to the passers-by what their crimes were and that they were being taken away to be cast into hell. And of the many, all the many terrors which they had endured, he said that, that there were none like the terror which each of them felt at that moment, lest they should hear the voice. And when there was silence, one by one, they ascended with exceeding joy. These, said Ur, were the penalties and retributions, and there were blessings just as great. When seven days had passed for each group in the meadow, on the eighth, they were obliged to rise and journey on. After four days, he said, they came to a place where they could see a line of light from above, straight as a pillar extending right through the whole heaven and through the earth. It resembled a rainbow, but brighter and purer. Another day's journey brought them to the place, and there, in the midst of the light, they saw the ends of its fastenings, stretching from heaven above, for this light is the belt of heaven, and holds together the circle of the universe. It was the girdle of the heavens, like the undergirders of triremes, holding together the entire revolving vault. From there extended the spindle of necessity, on which all the revolutions turn, and the whorl of these and other kinds was commingled, spiraling, with circles within circles, together forming one continuous whorl. And by the way, a whorl is a small flywheel on a spindle for regulating the speed of a spinning wheel. But a whorl can be anything with a coiled or spiral appearance, such as spiral galaxies or black holes. Let me note with an aside here, Uh, Plato's description of the cosmos is based on an understanding of the structure of the universe called the spindle of necessity, a concept invented by the ancient Greeks. It provided a geocentric model of the structure of the world, with the sun, moon, five planets, and fixed stars revolving around the earth, which was then thought to be at the center of the universe. The heavenly bodies, they said, were pushed around their orbits by three daughters of necessity, the Fates. A siren stood over each circle, thus described, and as she is carried around, sings a note of constant pitch. The pitch for each siren song is different, thus making a musical scale, and it's from this idea that the notion of harmony of the spheres is evolved. Now, incidentally, here's one of those non-coincidence coincidences that happen from time to time. I had just read this from Plato when a story was reported on PBS of the discovery of gravity waves, something predicted by Einstein more than a hundred years ago, but implied by the ancient Greeks. The time wave distortion was detected by a cosmic hum, one could say created by the music of the spheres as they push through and trigger the vibrational waves of gravity time. Pretty neat. When Ur and the other spirits arrived at this remarkable place, their duty was to go at once to a fate named Lachesis, or Lachesis, who determines the length of the thread of life. A prophet came who arranged them in order, and he took from the lap of Lachesis lots and samples of lives. And mounting a high platform, he said, Hear the word of Lachesis, the daughter of necessity. Mortal souls now is the beginning of a new cycle of life and mortality. No divinity will cast lots for you, but you will choose your own deity. And let the one who draws draws the first lot have the first choice, and the life which they choose will be their destiny. Virtue is free, and as a person honors or dishonors virtue, they will have more or less of her. The responsibility is with a chooser. God is blameless. So saying, the prophet scattered lots among them at random, and each of them took up the lot which fell near them. All but Ur himself, he was not allowed. Each soul, as they took up their lot, saw the number they had drawn. Then the prophet placed on the ground before them many patterns of lives. There were many more patterns of lives than the souls present, and they were of all sorts. There were lives of all kinds of animals and all sorts of human lives. And there were tyrannies among them, some lasting out the tyrant's life, others which broke off in the middle and came to an end in poverty and exile. And there were lives of famous men, some who were famous for their form and beauty, as well as for their strength and success in games, or again, for their birth and the qualities of their ancestors and some who were the reverse of famous for the opposite qualities, for men and women alike. And of women, likewise, there was not, however, any definite character in them, because the soul, when choosing a new life, must of necessity become different. But there was every other quality, and they all mingled with one another, and also with elements of wealth and poverty and disease and health, and there were middle paths also. And this, Ur's NDE is telling us, is what the soul is choosing about its life to come on earth after it's born. The soul is choosing, given its fate, which the circumstances of that life will be. Ur warns that here is the supreme hazard of our human condition and the reason we should take the utmost care. In our life, we should seek and follow only one thing, To find someone who will teach us to discern between good and evil, and so to choose always and everywhere the better path of life. To learn the effect of poverty or wealth on a particular soul, and what are the good and evil consequences of noble births and humble births, of private and public stations, of strength and weakness, of cleverness and dullness, and of all the natural and acquired gifts of the soul and the operation of them when combined look at the nature of your soul and from the consideration of all these qualities you will be able to determine which is the better and which is the worse and so a soul will choose given the name of giving the name of evil to the life which will make the soul more unjust and naming good the life which will make the soul more just the soul should disregard everything else We must see and know that this is the best choice for each of us, both in life and after death. A soul must take with it into the world below a faith in truth and right so that we're not dazzled by the desire for wealth or the other allurements of evil that would cause us to do irremediable wrongs to others and suffer yet worse ourselves. We must learn to choose the middle way and avoid the extremes on either side as far as possible, not only in this life, but in all that is to come. For this is the way of happiness, no matter what the other circumstances of our lives may be. According to Ur's report from The Other World, this was what the prophet instructed the souls. Even the last one to choose the details of their next life, if they choose wisely and live diligently, they will enjoy a happy and not undesirable existence. Let those who choose first not be careless, and let the last one to choose not despair. But when the prophet had spoken, the soul who made the first choice came forward and in a moment chose a life of a great tyrant. Their mind was darkened by folly and sensuality, and they didn't think out the whole matter before choosing, and did not at first perceive that his fate, among other evils, was to destroy his own children but when he had time to reflect and saw what was in the lot he began to lament his choice forgetting the proclamation of the prophet and instead blaming the misfortune on himself and, and instead of blaming the misfortune on himself he blamed chance and the gods and everything rather than himself This soul was one of those who just came from the rewards of heaven from his previous life, because in a former life, he'd lived a well-ordered life, but his virtue was a matter of habit only, and he had no intrinsic moral philosophy to guide him. And it was true of others who were similarly overtaken that the greater number of them came from heaven, and therefore they had never been schooled by trial Whereas the pilgrims who came from earth to reincarnate, having themselves suffered and seen others suffer, were not in a hurry to choose due to this inexperience of theirs. And also because the lot was a chance, many of the souls exchanged a good destiny for an evil one, or an evil one for a good one. For if a man had always, on his arrival on earth, dedicated himself from the first to sound philosophy, and had been moderately fortunate in the number of the lot that he received, he might be happy here and also avoid the underground punishment when they die, but rather enjoy the heavenly rewards if they, if they lived that moderate life. What was sadly most curious was the spectacle, sad and laughable and strange, or said for the choice of the souls was, in most cases, based on their experiences of a previous life, and when I read that I thought, is this perhaps another understanding of karma? Not only did men pass into animals, but I must also mention that there were animals tame and wild, who changed into one another and into corresponding human natures, the good into the gentle, and the evil into the savage, in all sorts of combinations. All the souls had now chosen their lives, and they went in the order of their choice to Lachesis or Lachesis, who sent with them the guardian angel each had chosen to be the guardian of their lives and the fulfiller of their choice. This divinity led the souls first to a fate that drew them within the revolution of the spindle impelled by her hand, thus ratifying the destiny of each. And then, when they were fastened to this, carried them to Atropos, the fate who spun the threads and made the web of their destiny irreversible. Without a backward look, they passed beneath the throne of necessity. And when they had all passed, they marched through a terrible and scorching heat to the plain of oblivion, which was a barren waste, bare of trees and all plants. And then, towards evening, they encamped by the river of forgetfulness. Whose water no vessel can contain. They were required to drink a certain quantity, and those who were not wise drank more than was necessary, and each one as they drank forgot all things. Now after they had fallen asleep, about the middle of the night there was a thunderstorm and earthquake, and then in an instant they were driven upwards, some this way, some that, to their berths like shooting stars. Ur himself said he was not allowed to drink the water. By what manner or means Ur returned to his body, he could not say, only that by the dawn he suddenly opened his eyes and found himself lying on his funeral pyre. And thus, Plato writes, Ur's experience has been saved and will save us if we are obedient to the word spoken, and we shall pass safely over the river of forgetfulness and our soul will not be defiled. Therefore, Plato counsels us, hold fast to the heavenly way and follow after justice and virtue always, considering that the soul is immortal and able to endure every sort of good and every sort of evil. Thus shall we live dear to one another and to the gods, both while remaining here and when we receive our rewards. And it shall be well with us, both in this life and in the pilgrimage of a thousand years, which Ur described. So here ends the NDE of the soldier Ur, as reported by Plato in the 4th century BCE. So how does what I call an Old Testament near-death experience differ from those modern reports we've described on the show over the last 10 years? Well, first comes the statement of Ur himself, who says he has been sent back to tell humanity what happens when we die. Ur describes the entire cycle from death to rebirth, while our NDEers are told they must go back before they can see the full cycle of judgment for reward or punishment, and then the full preparation for reincarnation. Second, there's the method of determining reward and punishment for how we led our life. Modern ND ears usually encounter a life review in which they experience how other people felt when they helped them or hurt them. On that basis, then they experience a self-judgment, how they've lived their life so far. But ND ears are going back to their unfinished lives. So the self-evaluation life review is, a, is an eye-opener. And it's a warning, but not the judgment necessarily that gets made by the judges when we die. Third, in Ur's description, those who went to be rewarded and those who went to punishment get together afterward, camped out in a meadow to tell one another about what the rewards and punishments were like. That conversation would hopefully help guide the soul's decisions when they choose pre-birth, the details of their next life. Fourth, it seems like nearly everyone back then got reborn. Only the very good and the very bad are rewarded or punishment forever, and so escape rebirth. Fifth, before they decide on their next lives, the souls are exposed to the radiant design of the universe and how it's controlled by the fates or angels in charge. Plato's comparison of the universe as a spinning wheel, a spindle, and a whorl relies on the beliefs of the day to explain what Ur er described, but the glory of that light of creation described by Ur er and described by Andy Ears today remains as dramatic as uh, as, as the same um, for both. Sixth, the division of responsibility for who we are in this life is clearly divided between chance, fate, and each soul's pre-birth choices of their life's direction. Without going into details, many pre-birther experiencers agree that we plan our lives to some extent before we are born. Our choices pre-birth determine our circumstances in this life. But Ur's description goes beyond our typical pre-birth reports because he got to witness the whole process. From judgment to soul conversations to the details of how fate and choice create our life situations. Typically, our NDEers get sent back from the light before any consideration of reincarnation is suggested. Ur's story dwells on what we should be mindful of in in this life in order to prepare ourselves for the next. Plato, the philosopher, has no doubt inserted his views on the value of moderation the middle way, into what we learn about how choosing good over evil in this life. What we learn from this life can help guide us in the choices we make concerning the next life we live, or cause us to make mistakes in our choices. Some religions would call this karma, and describe how base human nature can make us make the wrong choices life after life. And finally, and this may be where Old and New Testament NDEs differ most fundamentally, Ur makes no reference in any of the translations I consulted to the power and beauty of God's love. Yet this is the one thing nearly all modern NDEers talk about, that the light and beauty they experienced is a vibration of love that infuses all creation. Now, this is implied in the What is Reality message of Buddhism, And Buddhism still believes in reincarnation, but sees it as something to escape by becoming enlightened. The New Testament understanding of love, as suggested in biblical Christianity, ignores reincarnation and names Jesus as a way to the light that bypasses the reincarnation cycle. Though many Christians believe reincarnation is still available to those who want to go through life over and over again. Now, it's my hope to draw some of the essential truths from some of the near-death experiences we've already aired on future shows to learn what we can about eternity. NDEs are communications from the other side. And I believe they're deep wells of truth lovingly offered um, by source to a world dying from thirst. So we should be more mindful of them. And this is what I hope to do in future shows. In conclusion, I think the main suggestion from Plato's story of Ur for years of today is this. Today's NDEs are midlife gifts to provide spiritual guidance, guidance either for the NDEer or guidance for those who learn from others' NDEs. They are not an exact or complete model for what happens to us when we really depart from this life. Still, there is much we can learn about eternity from the window views uh, offered by NDEs. At its simplest level, NDEs occur to demonstrate to the world that our souls are eternal and that our actions in this life and in all our lives, for that matter, have eternal consequences as well. Well, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear this show again or any of our more than 500 archived ad-free NDE interviews go to Talk Zone's NDE Radio site and hit the past shows button or go to our YouTube channel NDE Radio with Lee Whitting where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio library and be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app and listen next Monday 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone. for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying once again, thanks for listening.